to the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. So uh, this is version uh, 2.0. So welcome everybody to the Old Grad Podcast. This is episode number 26 uh, with our very highly esteemed classmate, uh, Colonel Kenny Mintz. So Kenny, welcome. Where are you, where are you joining us from? Uh, I'm joining you from Carlisle, Pennsylvania, uh, sitting in my Arab style seating in my living room in my apartment. What is Arab style seating? What, what does that, what does that entail? Uh, I'm sitting on a cushion on the floor with the Afghan on top of an Afghan rug amongst a bunch of pillows. I, I, I sort of became enamored with that, uh, being deployed a few times over the years. And I was like, you know, I really like this style. Like we all sit on the floor. And so I decided to adopt that in my, my lifestyle. Really? So yeah. uh, when you come home from work, that's how you just, that's how you unwind. You just sit back on a, on a pillow yeah. on an Afghan rug. Really? Yeah, I plopped. I got a, I got a floor, kind of a, like a long floor uh, mat that I sit on with a bunch of pillows, and yeah, it's nice. It's a good life. You know, I saw a picture of you. You have been, you know, really, I think, very good about keeping us all up to date about what's going on in your life, and and pictures of you and you know downrange and everything. And I saw a picture of you actually sitting like that with like you know a, a local Afghani uh, gentleman. And, uh, it doesn't look comfortable to me. I have to admit I... <laughs> it's, you know, it's, so Afghans grow up their whole lives, like sitting and squatting and, and being cross-legged. Uh, it's definitely not comfortable for most Americans. So I, I have, I've modified it for, for my own, uh, American frame here. I've got some big pillows. I sit on a cushion, I lean back, but I like the sort of personal style of interaction with people when they come to visit. It's a, it's a, it's a very nice way of living that I've adopted for myself. Good for you. You know, it's definitely healthier. I think, you know, like you, I remember like going to like Korea and stuff, you see like these old women and old men, like just like fully squatting down, like, you know, doing something like, you know, finagling with a, with a little on-doll heater or something like I, I couldn't, when I was Lieutenant, I couldn't do that and get in that position, you know? So I, right. Right. Well, I mean, most Americans can't, so we don't really bother with it. So I would just plop my ass down and find something to lean up against. But I always felt like I like the personal touch about it. I like the the fact that it it sort of enabled interaction with people, you know, the the human experience in a better way. Mm -hmm. So I've adopted that for myself. Yeah, I mean, the best I ever got to was uh, getting into like a three point stance as a as a lineman playing football. That's about that's about it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a little bit it's a little bit more comfortable than that. But yeah, yeah it takes like a three point stance or a four point stance or a linebacker stance or a fighting stance in boxing or whatever. It all takes it takes time to get used to it. You got it takes practice to get to to the point where it actually feels right for you. Yeah. Um, but this isn't, this isn't quite as challenging as that, I must say. All right. So, so give me the lowdown here. Like you're in Carlisle. You got it. You got a job there at the war college. You're hanging yeah. out in your, in your, in your hooch with your, uh, Afghan, you know, uh, uh, lifestyle lifestyle. Yeah. So, so what, so, so, so what's going on? Tell me about, tell me about kids. Tell me about your job. Tell me about all that kind of stuff. 
So I, uh, I'm a, I'm a colonel in the army, uh, you know, closing in on, uh, 20, 28 and a half years. Uh, I'm the director for the center for strategic leadership at the army war college. So, you know, it's kind of a cool gig. It's, uh, uh, a neat part of the college, a more forward thinking, progressive part of the college where I can help, you know, create change and positive forward thinking about the future of the character of war mostly. So I run uh, the Department of Strategic Wargaming, and then I have something called the Strategic Leadership uh, and Futures Group. I'm sorry, Strategic Land Power and Futures Group, which has this eclectic group of professors where we have the Army War College's expertise in cyber, space, future, science and technology, homeland defense, doctrine, cognitive science, mission command, and we're, we're always expanding. So that's a really cool part of it. And then I also have the Army Fellows Program. So if, if a colonel gets selected for the Army War College, they can go to a fellows program where they go to college and a master's level program um, you know, at uh, a major university in the United States like Harvard or Yale or Princeton or Stanford uh, and also overseas. I was just in Canada at Queen's University uh, in Kingston, in Queen's, excuse me, Kingston, Canada. So we have all these guys all over the United States and internationally that are also part of my, uh, under my purview. So it's a really cool part of the college. Um, I'm single. I've been divorced for, uh, about five years now. Um, my kids are all doing pretty good. My oldest daughter's in grad school at university of Vermont. She'll graduate this May to be a dietitian. Uh, my second daughter's at Clarkson university in Northern New York to be a chemical engineer. My third daughter's working North of Philadelphia and doing great. My son graduated high school a year early and he's in, uh, and at Syracuse University uh, to be an aerospace engineer. So the kids are all doing great. And uh, unfortunately, my mom uh, is sort of at the end of a five and a half year battle with pancreatic cancer. Um, and uh, I'll be spending a lot of time with her here in the next month or two as she's been given weeks to live. Um, just an incredible example uh, to me and inspiration to me. So, um, Hey, I'm, I'm sort of at the end of my army career. I've had a great life. I've got great kids. I've got a great family. Um, I really appreciate my life and, uh, I'll be transitioning here in the summer of 2021 from being an officer in the army to doing something else. Let's, let's go back to your mom real quick. Cause I think that she's such a huge part of your life and, Clearly, I, you know, I look at the, um, I, I, when, when I think of, when I think of you, I think of somebody with just incredible, uh, endurance and composure and just kind of a steely outlook on life. And I imagine you get that from her, huh? Yeah. My mom, you know, so she is, I mean, she's an incredible woman. I mean, I was raised by my mom. Um, we were, you know, we were talking earlier a little bit about her, but she's, she's had cancer, a, a, a lethal form of cancer for five and a half years. And I have spent more time with her in the last five years I had spent with her 
all the years up until, you know, I, we, you know, we went off to school when we were 18 years old. So I have had a lot of time with her talking about life, talking about, you know, every, everything. And she's been my confidant, my mentor. Um, and I really feel blessed that I've had this opportunity to really get this close with her at this part in my life. Um, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, about my mom and, you know, my mom is, you know, has no college degree, uh, decided when I was four years old to drive, she was, she had a job working as a secretary for, uh, a, a defense contractor in the DC area uh, decided to move with a Navy family, drive one of their cars and start a new life in San Diego in uh, 1974 drove with nothing but me and a suitcase and started a whole new life out there and uh, eventually started her own company and has, was a successful entrepreneur and uh, you know, very much an inspiration to me my whole life and even here in the, in the end of days in this mortal life, an inspiration to me. And uh, I'm just thankful for every second I have with her. Where is she living? She lives um, North of uh, Atlanta, a little, a little town called Sugar Hill, Georgia, which is right near Lake Lanier between Cumming, Georgia and Buford. Um, she's lived out there for about 20 years now. In fact, like right after I graduated high school, I grew up north of San Diego. Uh, she and my stepdad moved out to uh, Georgia for, for work reasons. And she sort of pretty much stayed out there ever since. And she's decided that, you know, that's, you know, she was there for 20 years in the house that she's in now. Uh, my stepdad passed away about 10 years ago and she's just stayed there and she has an incredible network of friends uh, and some, and some family there as well. So she's, she's, you know, she's content where she is in the world and where she is. And, uh, I spent a lot of time up in North Georgia. I saw that you, uh, you just did a walk, you did a, a walk with her, right? You did, you had her in a wheelchair and you were, did some sort yeah. of like a, so w what was that all about? So it's called the purple stride. It's a fundraiser that's done every year. It's, I think it's done all around the country, but it, in Atlanta, uh, about this time every year. Uh, is the walk and it's really a fundraiser and uh, my mom's been doing it for five years and uh, this is you know the year where she couldn't walk uh, so I had to push her in a wheelchair this year but she had something like 36 people come out and walk with her um, and I just you know I was really just it was great to just be there with her and be able to you know have been there with her for the last few years. The last, the, the first couple of years I was deployed, I just couldn't participate because I had army related things to do. But those last three years I've been there with her. So this year, uh, I pushed her in a wheelchair and, uh, you know, she was ordering me around and being quite bossy, but full, full of them and vigor and surrounded by people that love her. And it was really, again, very inspirational to be with her. She seems like just a larger than life personality, like from what I could see from what you've, what you've shared with me. And I remember I went to, I was honored to be able to go to your change of command. I guess that was like what, two years ago that you changed command. Yeah, uh, that was, would have been in June, 2017. Yeah. Yep. And I think, 
you know, at that time she was really struggling and she's just kept on, she kept on fighting. Right. She gets like, did she, did she like, like get better since then? Like, was like, was there like an improvement that was not expected and gave her some, some more, some more time? So she's been through, you know, three cycles of chemotherapy and, and radio, you know, radioact radio, whatever they call it. Um, radiation. Radiation. Thank you. Uh, treatment. Um, so she's been through, she was going through a cycle of that. She's been told several times, Hey, you're not going to live, you know, like in the, in, in 2016, they told her you're not going to live till the end till Christmas. And my mom's like, yeah, bullshit. You know, we're going to go out to California for Christmas. My stepsisters are all out there. So we're going to go out there for Christmas. And we did. And it was, it was epic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, she's fought this. She's fought the good fight, you know, um, very hopeful spirit. That's the thing that I love about her is how hopeful she is that no matter how bad things are, there's always hope. There's always another way. There's always something else you can do to make it right as you go forward. And that thankfully is something I inherited from her. Yep. Well, I mean, I will keep her in my prayers and you in my prayers about all that. And, uh, you know, what an amazing woman and, you know, what, what a steely resolve is, is just what I think about when I think about, you know, what she's been through and what she's going through. And, um, you know, we've got a number of classmates that have joined here, you know, Mike Carr, Matt Pazvogel, Vince Ball, Scotty Fight, uh, Damian Topping, Moni Fox, John Palsisco, Brad Hamaker, Moose George. Um, and so I'm, I think I speak for all of us when I say, you know, we're, we're thinking about you and praying for you and praying for, um, you know, praying for, for peace in this, in this process. And, um, you know, yeah. but, you know, I think, um, so, you know, I, uh, get, getting back to the sort of professional front of, um, being there at the war college. Uh, so, so this is, a, this is a role that you were selected for following your brigade command, uh, where you were an ROTC instructor, right? I was an ROTC brigade commander, so I had instructors. I had all the right term. You had instructors working for you. Tons of them. I'm sorry about. It. But but by the way, by the way, there, there's instruction though too. I I seen these great pictures of you like running this kick ass PT, and you're out there in front of everybody just like running them through the mud. I mean, I mean that. that so so I guess you know you you you're you're all, you are an instructor at some point. You're you're a leader. You're you're an inspiration. So so tell me about your whole phil, your, your whole philosophical perspective around uh, our, you know, training our, our future leaders of, of the army. So, you know, I, you know, one of the things that I, I expected out of the West Point experience was that, you know, I have officers and NCOs kind of pulling me aside and teaching us about the army, teaching us about leadership, teaching them, teaching us about the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of what we were about to do. And that, and that was what was exciting to me about West Point is that, Oh, you know, I get to be an officer at the end of this and I'm going to lead soldiers and maybe lead soldiers in combat someday. And probably like a lot of, of us, you know, we, that was sort of hit or miss, you know, it sort of depended on, on who you just sort of ran into along the way. And, you know, my guidance to, you know, my, cadre, you know, was talk about the, talk about the army, teach, 
these cadets about the army and be honest with them about all of the things they're going to have to deal with. The, the really awful things, you know, dealing with death, dealing with, you know, all the hardship, because that's mostly where leadership matters is when things are really hard. And, um, when I would go out to each of my programs, I sort of had this very rigorous PT program where, you know, of course I was playing to my strengths and I'm an old man, but we would essentially low crawl, uh, 400 meters, uh, in the mud, in the snow. I did it in the rain, the snow, the mud on turf on all kinds of different terrain. And no matter who you are, it's going to be hard. And no matter who you are, you're going to be able to make it through it. So at the end of it, you know, when you're dealing with young men and women, how do you get their attention? Well, you got to go out and do something hard with them. And, uh, it gave me an opportunity to go out and do something really hard with them. And at the end of it, I had their complete attention and I could talk about a couple of things I wanted them to remember. The first thing I, I told them is, Hey, leadership's about doing hard things with your soldiers. Just remember that. If you remember anything else, just do that. That's how you, that's how you, that's how you create trust. That's how you create the love and mutual respect and trust that leadership is all about. And also remember what your priorities are. Your priorities should always be the mission, your people, and then yourself. And those are the two points I wanted to make with them. I mean, there was a couple of little odds and ends, but I was always cognizant that I had to make sure that it was very clear and concise after a pretty rigorous PT session. And I think, uh, you know, I think I was able to hammer home what I wanted to say to them. And I did it. I lived it with them. And, uh, and you know, we're talking about 6,000 cadets all over the Northeast between Maine, everything from Maine down to Pennsylvania. And, uh, it was an incredible experience. And I'm just, I feel like, you know, something that, you know, us as West Point guys, we never think about it. Like, uh, what, you know, ROTC sort of weird to us, you know, we didn't experience that. So having the opportunity to do that and, and hopefully inspire those guys to look at things a different way, um, and look at things in a very realistic way was the opportunity that I had in that command. There's a question in the feed here. A question is what university has the best PT program? That's from Scott Flight. <laughs> uh, I would say Penn State probably had the best. Penn State was the best of all of the programs I went to. In terms of physical fitness, right? Yeah. How about in terms of overall uh, preparation for officership? Oh, God. There's no way I can answer that. If I answer that, any of my P- any of my PMSs were on here, they would like show up with coaches. <laughs> on my nose, well, you know, this is a confidential. This is a confidential, uh, <laughs> you know, site here. It's only our classmates to see this. But and, well, I'll, no, I'll, I'm going to tell you something. I mean, you know, look, we're West Point guys. We're like, ah, you know, ROTC, what a bunch of weirdos. Every time I was out there on campus, it, they these cadets inspired me. These America keeps producing amazing human beings that want to go out and serve. And the only thing they want to do is be good leaders. That's it. That's all they want to do. They're like, Hey, you know, I want to be a good platoon leader. Just like we felt like, you know, when we graduated, 
It's the same thing. And they, and they, you know, frankly, they work their asses off, you know, to come and they compete, they compete to get active duty. They compete for what branch they want to be in. And, and I was inspired every day uh, in that job. So I can't really compare and contrast too much. Uh, I see, I see uh, Chris Barden is also on the line here. Chris's son, I think, is like a senior. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have a number of classmates with, with uh, kids that have gone to ROTC. Um, you know, what, what advice would you give? If you have like an 18-year-old kid who says, I want to go, I want to be an officer in the Army. Yeah. But I would say, I would say, well, I mean, you know, obviously I think West Point is an amazing experience. You know, go ahead and apply to try to get to West Point, but also compete for, you know, active duty scholarship, a three or four year active duty scholarship in ROTC. If you don't make it, no worries. Walk on. Just join ROTC because 75 to 80 percent of all uh, of, of the people that decide to walk on get scholarships and get commissioned. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just deciding and committing yourself to doing it. And, uh, and so it's a really sort of American institution, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's really a meritocracy, you know, and, and so I would say walk on, you know, just do it and, and you're going to love it. My high school girlfriend joined ROTC. I just, in fact, I'm, I'm friends with her on Facebook and, um, and I just saw she posted that, that she was, a. Uh, that that she you know from her, her veteran her her service but i was kind of an asshole about it when i was a cadet i was an i was really not cool with her about joining rotc um well, we, were, we were all assholes i know yeah. i know it just it was goes okay. to show how immature i was <laughs> god <laughs> so is there any reason to not go to an academy because there's maybe a, a major or something that's at a specific college or do you think just you know like like Go to go to ROTC as a backup to uh, to the academy. I mean, I think I think it's it, it's sort of in the eye of the beholder, so to speak. I mean, go go where your heart leads you, mm-hmm. and if you really want to go to Penn State and you can't really afford it, you know, ROTC is a great way to go. Or even if you just want to be an officer and you want to be, um, you know, you're interested in, in in living or going to school someplace else. I don't, I don't really think the, the experience in ROTC is um, prejudicial to being a great officer. Um, you know, West Point's super competitive, but so is getting a, a three or four year active duty scholarship, um, you know, in the national scholarship um, competition that goes on. They're about the same in terms of the numbers of people that get selected. And, Either way, it opens up options. It's all about, you know, it's all about giving yourself options. So if you're a parent and you're advising your kid, I'd say give, give all, open up as many options as you can. You know, I took my son, I just got done with a bunch of college trips with my son. By the way, I think I could give college tours now because I've been on so many of these damn college <laughs> tours. I've been on like 26 yeah. college, but what matters to my son is ROTC programs. He wants a good ROTC program. Right. And uh, he wants to be an officer in the army, and uh, yeah, he he, he he he. But he's like, why would I want to go through all the bullshit of West Point if I could do ROTC? And I was like, well, 
I can't always I can't completely argue with that logic, but it's not that much bullshit, you know. So I'm I'm trying to like shepherd him through this like decision process. But we just went to Lehigh, and Lehigh is awesome. Was yeah. that was that one of your schools, Lehigh? It, it was. It was one of my schools. Mm-hmm. So it's a great school. It's got a great ROTC program, um, and if you do ROTC and you do well, you're just as competitive as someone who goes to West Point. I think, you know, obviously the pedigree of West Point is important in the world. Whether or not that's fair or not, that's just sort of the way it is. Um, so I think, you know, you're, if, if you're looking at, you know, how you, you know, where you go to school, um, going to Lehigh and doing ROTC is not a bad thing. It's mm-hmm. a great program. Um, does West Point carry more clout? I'm not going to say it carries more clout in the army because I believe in the army. It's really about, you know, your performance and your potential. Um, so it doesn't really matter. Um, West Point gives you a little bit more opportunity going into the army because you're going to get an active duty um, commission, you know, when you get out of it, uh, regardless. Uh, if that's what you want to do, it's it's sort of a surefire way to go that way. Um, but it's certainly a different experience. You know, as we all know, <laughs> although it's a little bit different probably now than when we when we went to school. Yeah, I think they still have a lot of fun. My nephew goes there and, you know, they still have a lot of fun. I I was I, I think, you know, from a parenting perspective, you really try to, you know, keep a balanced perspective, let them make their own decisions. That's what I've that's what I've done with my first two kids that went off to college and neither one of them, you know, decided to go or even applied. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. But the uh, I four kids and none of them. You know, they've all sort of sort of toyed with the idea of the military, but in the end, they they watch their dad leave too many times, I think, and and deal with all the things that I had to deal with, and I think they're like sort of shell shocked with the idea of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, although although they honor my service and all honor the things I've done, you know, I don't. I think they look at it in a sort of fearful way. Yeah, I can certainly understand that. So, but let's, let's going back, you know, to the arc of the podcast and thinking through the timeline here. So, you know, your mom, who's this courageous soul who basically at 20, 20, you said she's 24 years old, I think, you know, took you, took you across the country to California, just, just the two of you in a suitcase setting up in, setting up in California. So you, you went to high school, you went to school, you grew up like in a military community, right? Like, so the military was not something that was foreign to you, right? Well, so, um, I went to high, so I went to two different high schools. My first high school was Torrey Pines High School, which was a very affluent, uh, I wouldn't say very military centric school, just sort of a, uh, a very, a very affluent area of California. And then between my sophomore and junior year, um, we moved out to a town called Fallbrook, which is on the inland side of Camp Pendleton. So it's 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 a school heavily influenced by you know kids that are in the Marines and family you know retired families from the Marines and Navy. So it was a very different scene uh, going from from Torrey Pines to Fallbrook, and. Um, you know, I end up, you know, sort of 
kind of going into a totally different lifestyle. I went from living on the coast to living inland, um, living in the avocado capital of the world <laughs> in Fallbrook, California, and uh, you know playing football there. And essentially, after one year, getting voted as uh, the team captain of my my high school football team. And then uh, my my football coach, my senior year, between my junior and senior year, came up with this crazy plan that the football team was going to build a house, sell the house, and then go to Hawaii for a week for the beginning of our season. And sure enough, we, as a team, helped build a house. We sold the house, and we all went to Maui, Hawaii for the first week um, the first game of our season. And then we ended up getting into the playoffs and playing against our, uh, rivals, uh, our league rivals. Somehow magically we ended up playing them in the, in the actual championship game in San Diego, uh, the Vista Panthers. So I was in the, I was in the Fallbrook Warriors. We beat them for the championship game and I got interviewed, um, by the San Diego union, like, you know, I was the athlete of the month or whatever. And they're like, Oh, you know, where do you want to go to college? Well, none of my parents had gone to college. I really hadn't done anything with college at that point, which is unheard of today. And I mentioned in this interview that I was interested in going to military academies. Like, Oh, you know, I always want to go to West Point or Annapolis, but I never did anything about it. So I don't really know where I'm going to go to school. Well, about a week later, uh, I got a call from my coach who said, hey, West Point's coming here. Uh, some of the coaches are coming and they're interested in you. Are you are you really interested in doing this? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm interested. So let me just let me just interject here. Like this is the serendipity of this random conversation where you mentioned yeah. West Point in a news play, in, a, in, a, in an article. And then somehow they're coming out here and it, like fast forward, you know, 33 years later, you know, you're, yeah. you're a colonel in the army. You've, you've had amazing, an amazing career and uh, unbelievable contributions to our country, but it was all because it's just some random, I mean, like, like just yeah. choice point that just happens like, you know, all those years ago. Yeah. That's, it's wild. I, and random that my parents uh, decided to move. And I mean, that was all just sort of random. You know, my life would be completely different had we not moved. Um, you know, and we, you know, we ended up winning the championship my senior year. You know, went from Maui, played in Maui. We call it the Maui to Murphy. We played in Jack Murphy Stadium. It's called something else now, but um, you know, that's a pretty epic story. And my high school was sort of a machine when it came to sending people to academies. So there, when, when I started as a plebe, my plebe year, there were 13 people from my high school at West Point, 13. There was like one at Annapolis and one at the Air Force Academy. So 15 total kids from my high school going to military academy. So that, that also helped because I think West Point kind of goes back and, you know, some, some of you probably know better than I do. They get, they kind of go where, where you get success. And I just sort of randomly fell in on that. Wow. And then, so, so did you get, 
an appointment right away or, or were you just recruited athletes so you didn't have to worry about all that kind of, you know, application process the same way? How, how did you end up basically landing a spot right. in our class? So, uh, you know, the, the football, I got interviewed from one of the coaches and they said, Hey, we're interested in you. Go ahead and fill out an application. Uh, go get a physical. I did all that. And, uh, they reserve a certain amount of, uh, you know, athlete for athlete, um, appointments. I think I actually, George Bush, you know, when he, George Bush, when he was the vice president, uh, had a certain number. And so I got actually got appointed by the vice president, George Bush. No kidding. Yeah. That's a pretty prestigious, uh, nomination. Yeah. I mean, I had nothing to do with it. You know, I mean, you know, and you went straight in. No and then I, next, next thing, nope, it came straight in. And uh, so what's funny is my superintendent, I'm not my superintendent, what was he, the suit? He was my, I'm sorry, the um, principal. Principal. The principal of my school was, was a Naval Academy grad. Okay. Um, and he he called me into his office after he read the same article. He was like, I never knew you wanted to go to Military Academy. How come he never told me? I was like, well, I don't really know you. You know, I didn't know what to say to him. So he started making phone calls in his office and, um, he called somebody he knew at the Naval Academy and they're like, yeah, we're interested, but he'll have to go to prep school for a year. And, and West Point sort of said, well, we're, we're okay. We'll take him as is. I went to rock, you know, I did rock math and, uh, you know, the rest is history. Rock you know? math. Oh, I did rock <laughs> math too. God. I was right there with you. <laughs> I was like section 15. I don't yeah. even remember. Yeah. Captain Ebel. Yeah. Captain Ebel was my, uh, was my math professor. What a great guy he was, though. You know, I was actually pretty good at math, but I just could not get my, my shit together. I remember I, I, we're taking the little, that little test, the little aptitude test at, at Beast, and I fell yeah. asleep during the test. I just like put my head down. So let me just, I, think I, I know I could do this problem. I just need like 15 minutes to just put my head down. And I woke up to a blank piece of paper and, and drool like, you know, out on the paper and boom, turned it in, just wrote beat Navy and got put in section 16 or 15. So I, think, I think, yeah, I think you were, you were with me on the bus when we went down you, from, uh, yes. from uh, Mikey stadium down for our day. And I think you fell asleep then. I probably did. I, I might've. And, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then we were at Ranger school. You fell asleep. I mean, uh, you know, you have a history of, uh, Somehow getting by, regardless of being a sleepy school. My so, my yeah. wife my wife will tell you to fall asleep anywhere. But you know the thing is, I, to my to my to my um, you know I, to to my credit, I was up all night the night before our day. I was up all night partying with my with my high school buddies, and like about <laughs> four in the morning, we're like, oh, that's it. And I got like an hour and a <laughs> half sleep, and then we drove up to West Point. I was like almost ready to hurl out the window. So that's, that's the way you do it, man. Well, that's the way you, that was a you rough, did it. Right. That was a rough start, but you know the th you you're right. You and I sat next to each other on the bus going from the Holiday Center down to wherever we're going to go. You reminded yeah. me of that a couple of times. I I kind of remember it, but not as much. But in our our life, we've had these we've had these kind of chance intersections. You know where we've so you know rock math probably. Um, Air assault school. We did all ranger school together, um, yep. and so uh, you know we we've had we've had a you know couple couple different times. And I always think to myself, you know, and I'm gonna get a little bit deep here, but 
you know, you are my comparison other. Like, like I think, you know, and I'm so grateful and so in awe of your service to our country. And, um, you know, we were, we were, we were with each other for all these different points, but then there are other, there are other paths that you have walked that were, you know, far greater and far more, um, challenging. Uh, and I'm, you know, I, I think through that and in terms of, those of us who have shouldered more than their fair share of the task, as we say in Ranger School, uh, you're certainly the person that comes first to mind. So I'm so thankful and so so grateful that here we are on Veterans Day being able to talk about, about your service and your career and, and your life trajectory. So thank you for that. Well, Jamie, I mean, God, I mean, that's, you're killing me. Wow. I mean, what a great, I mean, I've had a great life. You know, I've lived, a, I lived an authentic life. Um, you know, and you're only, I, and you're only halfway through cause you're gonna live to a hundred. So, well, I'll, I'll just keep, I'll just keep getting on, getting on as long as we can. You know, I mean, you might as well live life, you know? I mean, we spend a lot of our lives worrying about things we probably ought not to be worrying about. And I'm sort of at a point in my life where, you know, I'm about living my life and, uh, and I've sort of embraced that. And, uh, I like to tell people that, that my PTSD is, is, you know, I don't worry. I don't worry about stuff. Even now, you know, with my mom dying and everything else, I have this incredible ability to just be with her and live in the moment with her and enjoy that we're, you know, we're laughing about, you know, things that happened in the past and singing songs and just having good time together. And that's, that's what life's brought me to. I, I really feel like I've had an incredible, incredible experience because of my army life. And it's going to set you up as you continue to move forward into whatever that next stage is going to be. So, I mean, speaking of, speaking of making good times, I just saw Damien Topping actually join the podcast here. He went to aerosol school with us. Is, <laughs> is he the guy who, 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 yeah, Cam Kruber, who painted the, um, airborne wings on the dog they, they had like a little air assault dog that would run around like was like belonged to the to the national guard and somebody painted airborne wings on his head yes uh damien something damien topping yeah he's on he's on the podcast i don't think it was topping it was somebody else so we're just talking about crazy air assault school and all the all the things at camp gruber and and singing you're saying we all failed the initial singlo test, yeah. right? We all basically bombed it, right? Yeah, and we all we all we all failed the first test, and then we were all singing the Life of Brian song, "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life," which is sort of, in some ways, a metaphor for our lives, at least my life going forward. And we all, most of us, came back and 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 passed, actually. Yeah. And fortunately for me, I mean, I was, I was speaking about, you know, sleepy Jamie getting through it, but I, I basically <laughs> couldn't find the last gig and I walked past it and I heard somebody in the crowd who'd been watching. I heard somebody sigh like, Oh shit, he walked right past it. And then I just pointed generically to, to, to one area and I just said gig. And they're like, all right, we'll give it to you. I'm like, thank God. I still don't know what, what the hell it was. So I skated out, I skated through there, skated through, um, Ranger school managed to not get recycled somehow. <laughs> thanks to you and our other classmates, you know, picking me up along the way. Yep. Um, yep. That was epic. 
So there's an earlier question. Um, you know, what, uh, well, I'll ask you this question first. What, what do you remember most about West Point? What's your most poignant memory of uh, being a cadet? Oh my God. Uh, uh, so I used to, uh, so I lived on central area and I spent a lot of time looking out my window at central area. And, you know, one night, probably my cow year, maybe my first year, I think it was my cow year. I just randomly yelled, horse shit at the window. Right. And I heard it reverberate around central area. And this is probably the, the story you really want to hear. I, I should probably be more inspirational, but for whatever reason, this is the first story that popped in my head. And so the next night, you know, about 2200, I yelled horse shit out the window and somebody else yelled horse shit. Horse shit out. back to you. Horse shit back. <laughs> and, then, and then the third night, I yelled horse shit. And then it was two or three other guys yelled horse shit. And then the fourth night, it was like 10 people yelling horse shit. And then like a week later, everybody in the whole, like everybody on central area was yelling horse shit out the window. And I don't, for whatever reason, that's my most poignant moment. <laughs> it's probably not a good memory. There's probably something I'm going to kick myself. And go, nah, I surprised you with that it's question. Gotta be, it's got to be something better than that. But no, it was sort of, uh, you know, you're just trying to survive in that place. You know, it was sort of, uh, how do you survive? How do you keep your sense of humor about things? And, you know, I think, in a lot of ways, I mean, the place in our time was very negative. I mean, nobody ever, I don't think anybody ever said anything positive to me ever my whole time I was there. Um, you know, and so I was like, man, I'm like the army is going to be rough, you know? <laughs> and then I go in the army and like, you know, I, I found that I really loved the army. Um, I didn't necessarily love being a cadet. Though I sort of, in some ways, loved my classmates, I loved my company, I loved the camaraderie, of course. But I always sort of had this distrust and dislike of the institution, which is probably in some ways carried on, carried on with me into the Army, because the Army is very similar. Although as you, as you go in rank, you become more and more the man, so to speak. What I've found is that I've, the, 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 the strength of our army, what makes our army great isn't mother army. It's, it's the soldiers, it's the sergeants, it's the guys that do the real work. They, they just find a way to win. Even when everything is letting them down, they still find a way to win. And that, and that's the greatness of our army. It's the greatness of our country, I think. And, you know, I've got to be a part of that. And, uh, I didn't necessarily love West Point, you know, I wasn't like, Oh, this is such a great place and it's a great experience. It was, it let me down. I feel like in a lot of ways, but what never let me down was the people, you know, the guys that I was with my, my classmates and I've served with, you know, our classmates and I am so proud of our class. I'm so proud of our character as a class. Um, 
And I certainly didn't really appreciate that maybe as a cadet, but as I've grown as a man living life and all the, you know, outrageous fortune of life, I've come to see that we have a really great class. And, uh, you know, I remember standing at our graduation parade in that rain storm coming up the Hudson Valley, listening to it, you know, roaring up the valley and then us getting rained on and us having to turn in our full dress tops only to get destroyed. And we're all out there graduating in our, in our India whites. And there was something special about our class. There was something different about us. And uh, I think that's carried on as we've gone out in the army. I think our class has done well in the world and has done well in the army. And we'll do, we'll continue to make a big contribution uh, to our country and our and our greater world. You know, we were talking before on the pre-call a little bit about, you know, you and you were saying before when you were you know working as your brigade commander as as an instructor uh, to, to the instructors, um, about this idea of, you know, telling people like here, here, are, here's, here's what it's really like in the army. Here, here are the things that I've done. Here are the thing, here's the mistakes that I've made. Here are the ways that I've learned from other people's mistakes, um, which is not as common as you would expect because people don't like to talk about mistakes so much in the, in the military. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I've been through just my own personal experience. There's, there's a lot of guys who've been through much more than me. But in my personal experience, what I've come to realize is it's, it's never about you, right? It's about the mission, the men, and me. And be honest about everything. Be honest about yourself and be honest about how you approach the mission. And if you do that, then you're doing the best you can as an officer um, because it's really not about you. Um, and that's put me in good stead, you know, and it's, it's sort of uh, kind of set me free and, and set my ego and my concern about my own aggrandizement or whatever free and allowed me to focus on what I think is most important. And I think is what being an officer is, re- is really truly about, which is, this idea of selfless service. And uh, it's been a great honor for me to be able to be a servant leader in our army. We have an amazing army. We have amazing people in our army that I'm so proud to have served with. And that, that has come to define me much more than maybe, you know, some of our classmates where maybe you got out of the army kind of early on. Well, I stuck with it maybe because I didn't have any other you know, good ideas for myself. And I found that I really, really loved the army and uh, I had really great experiences in the army. Well, I'm so grateful for, for what you've done there. And, and uh, you know, when you think about your, what the most poignant assignment that you had, the, the, the one that defines, you know, you as a, as a person and your career, what, which assignment was that? Um. I would say probably battalion command. So I commanded uh, 1st Battalion, 32nd Infantry, uh, uh, Infantry Battalion, and uh, got to command them in combat 2011 to 12 in uh, Zari District, Kandahar Province. Um, 
you know, mo- most officers espouse to command of a battalion. I somehow got to command an infantry battalion and then got to command an infantry battalion in combat in a real hard place where everything about me as a human being, as a leader, as an officer, as a man was eviscerated. And, uh, you know, I had to be the real deal, you know, either I was going to be the real deal or I wasn't going to be, there was no place to hide. And that's the thing that I've grown to really love about the army as an officer is that either you're real or you're not. Everybody knows if you're not real and, uh, if you live up to it and you're real, then, you know, your soldiers, your people, your peers, your bosses, they all, they all kind of reflect that. And, uh, you know, in that particular time where I had to take the measure of myself, the full measure of myself, I found that I was able to, to do what needed to be done in the worst of times, um, and lead, uh, you know, people in a, in a really hard time in a very hard place and, and be the kind of leader that, that with the end of it, although I made terrible mistakes, I could live with myself. And, uh, and, and I'm very proud of that service. Um, and I, you know, I had some hard, very hard times up before that, that helped develop me and prepare me for, for that command. But, I feel like everything in my life prepared me for that moment. Everything I had experienced at West Point, everything I had experienced in the Army and in my life had prepared me for command um, in the worst of times, in the worst of places. And uh, that will stay with me forever, you know, to my dying day, my last mortal breath, remembering, you know, the people that I serve with in combat in, in Zari District. So, you know, we talked a little bit before about, you know, the zero defect army and how hard it is to, um, you know, be able to talk about like, you know, whether, where there was, you know, things that we could get a do over on or whatever, but you mentioned to me this thing called the army mentorship program, right? So, you know, one, one area where we're actually seeing people get the opportunity to, 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 to get a do over is actually at West Point, right? So tell me about that program. Yes, yeah, so I don't. I don't. I'm not an expert on this program, but I, I really hope that the people that are so successful, you know, we've got general officers, we have captains of industry that are that are our classmates who are wildly successful, and they had this thing called the Army Mentorship Program, where cadets who have fell from grace, who an honor violation or some other thing has prevented them from graduating and they're given the opportunity. You can, you can go ahead and, and basically get booted or you can go in the army, prove yourself. And if the chain of command in your army unit determines that you are, are worth, you know, coming back and graduating, then you can you have that chance. And so early on in my command as a battalion commander, uh, I had somebody call me who's a, who a guy, a guy that I had served with, uh, asked me, Hey, would you be willing to take a cadet as an art, as a soldier into your battalion and mentor him and evaluate him 
um, and determine whether or not he, he is worthy to come back to West Point and graduate. And I said, absolutely. So this because was a kid, I, he got in trouble at West Point. He did like, it was a, whatever, some sort of discipline thing or honor thing or something, but he want, he was committed to wanting to get back to West Point. Right. Right. And so I, I really didn't know anything about any individual. It was just the idea of the program because, you know, I, I, I believe that, you know, it would make someone a better officer if they could, if they could say, yep, you know what? I failed. I made a terrible error, but I was given a second chance and I came back and I learned from my mistakes and that sort of empathy and that kind of life experience would make a better officer. So I was like, yep, I'm fully on board to support this program. And, uh, I was telling Jamie about, I was telling you about this, where, and then this is sort of, you know, in some ways sort of, um, fortuitous that we're all talking right now about this because I'm hoping my class, our class will listen to this story and take it on because I need your help. Um, so I, you know, I'm deployed. So I, 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 I said, yep, I'll do this program. I didn't hear anything about it for a long time. And we deploy to Afghanistan in March of 2011. Um, we're about a month into a very tough deployment. I've already lost soldiers in combat. I've been through a lot in a month. And I'm actually in the little tent that's our mess, our mess hall uh, at my outpost. And I see this young man, a young specialist in the mess tent that I didn't recognize. Well, that's odd. You know, I, I know, I might not know all of my soldiers by name, but I know all of their faces. I know who all of them are. And I see this young guy that just doesn't seem to fit. He looks frankly like an officer wearing enlisted uniform. So I go up to this guy and I go, who are you? And he goes, Oh, sir, I'm, I'm specialist Morris. And I go, are you my, you know, just me are you my cadet? And he looks at me and he's sort of, you know, kind of scared. And he's like, well, yes, sir. I'm, I'm your cadet. I'm like, good. Okay. I didn't know you were coming. I didn't know that. I had no idea that you were going to show up, but here you are. So, uh, I said, Hey, you know, but I, I got my ex, I called over my battalion XO. I said, Hey, this is the guy. I remember I told you about this program. Let's get him a hooch for the night. And I said, Hey, let's, come see me tonight. Um, let's talk about where you're going to go. And so later that night he shows up, you know, like a typical cadet on time in uniform, Strack reports to me, you know, I'm like, Hey dude, just relax, sit down. Listen, I'm sending you to the worst place in my area of operations. I'm sending you to the most hard luck platoon. I'm sending you, you know, into a t the toughest situation because I think this is going to be the greatest opportunity for you to develop. And I, frankly, I think they could really use you. And, uh, he's like, sir, I, I want to do this. I'm, I'm so thankful to have this opportunity. And I sent him to third platoon combat company in Nalgum, uh, Afghanistan. And, uh, he joins his platoon and for the next six months, you know, I check on him, you know, every, I was down there cause I was really where my main effort was. I was down with him two or three times a week talking to him. And 
you know, every time he's like, God, sir, this is an amazing experience. I'm so glad I've had the opportunity. This is an incredible group of soldiers that I get to be with. I'm, I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud to be a part. They've, they accepted him. You know, we're talking about an infantry squad accepting a guy who's brand new coming in. He's proven himself. Um, and I was so proud of him. I was so proud to be a part of this program. I was so proud that West Point was open-minded enough to go, you know what, let's give guys another chance. Let's, let's select the right people with the right character to get another chance. And uh, um, I pinned his CIB on his chest on the 10th of August, 2011, and the next day he died in combat. Him with four soldiers from third platoon. Um, and now his class, his class was the class of 2010. They're coming up on their 10 year reunion and they want to do something for him. They want to do something to me memorialize him. And they're trying to figure out, well, what do we do? Um, so his platoon leader was his classmate. I had no idea. I didn't even think about it, frankly. I just sent him to the platoon that had the most casualties and needed the replacements. And it just so happened that his platoon, platoon leader is a guy named Sam Frankly. So Jordan Morris, specialist Jordan Morris, joined a squad in third platoon, and his platoon leader was his 2010, class of 2010 classmate. And, uh, and Sam Frankly's now out of the army trying to figure out how to, what do we do for, for Jordan? And, and he, they want to do something for him. And I'm like, Hey, you tell me what you want to do and I will do everything I can to help because I love Jordan Morris. Um, and so I'm, I'm sort of appealing to my class. Uh, those that are in a, in a, in a much more connected than me with AOG, with, with West Point. Uh, I don't know what the answer is. I, I think the answer is let's give him, let's give him a honorary degree from West Point. Let's, let's present it to his family at their reunion and provide some kind of closure to this thing. Because he's the only guy that's fallen, that's gone into this program. I love this soldier. I saw him in combat. I put a CIB on his chest. And, and I would ask for our class to support this and take this on. Um, and I hope this message gets out to whoever can help. Okay? Well, I know. I happen, I happen to know that Kathy Kilner, who is the... Um she's like the head of operations for AOG listens to this podcast. So the, she's going to hear, she's going to hear this directly. So, and I'll make sure of that. Um, and I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's stuff we could do. Clearly we've got, I mean, you know, we've got Mark Beeger as chief of staff uh, there, you know, Holly's there. We've got uh, Andy Hall's there. Um, so, you know, we should definitely be able to do something. And thank you for raising, for telling this story. And, and my, my heart is breaking thinking about young, you know, specialist, or cadet to be, or lieutenant to be, Jordan <laughs> Morris. I mean, he. he uh, yeah. I mean, 
Just is, yeah, he and I would he and I would talk about it. You know, I was like, you know, what do you think? You know, what kind of officer do you think? You know, you'll be after this. He's like, God, sir, you know, this is such an amazing experience. I never, of course, you never think you're going to lose this guy, this one guy. And uh, when he was killed, I mean, it was, it was almost as if, you know, the gods are punishing you for something. I mean, it, it, and I, and I've been through this before and other times in other places where, you know, the news is so bad, you know, and all you can do is move forward. And, you know, if I can do anything for this, for this family, for his memory, and, and, you know, in a zero defect sort of idea about the army where, well, if you make a mistake, you're done. Well, is that really the ethos we really want? I, I, I'd like to have an officer who maybe made a mistake learn from it and then continue to serve, you know, with dignity and grace and honor. He made a mistake as a cadet. I mean, he was in his, you know, 21 years old or whatever. And he volunteered to join a unit in combat and died. I think that deserves something. And I think it deserves really some special consideration as we think about what can we do for his memory. Uh, in our institution. And uh, I can see how it could be somewhat, you know, controversial to some people who go, well, you know, he made a mistake and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? He came out and died in combat. And uh, we should remember him in some way. So there's got to be a way to raise this. I mean, AOG is really only part of the part of the answer. It's it's the administration. It's it's you know the soup and it's wherever we need to take it. But I, I will definitely do what I can to 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 leverage whatever contacts I might have, and I think others will as well. I mean, this this to me this is this is more than just about his service. I think this is about your service as well. And so you know, I mean, I I really am so. As I said before, I'm so humbled and grateful for, for, for what you have done and sacrifices you've made. I know it's not been easy and, you know, you've been through, um, and it, you know, you've been through so much, man, you've been through so much and, and, and we owe this, we owe this to, to you and to our other classmates who have been through so much. Um, you know, let's, let's think about, let's, cause we're, we're kind of, getting towards the end of our time here, but let's think about like moving forward here. So you are, you know, 18, 24 months out, I guess, 20, 30 months out from, from, from hanging it up and, and moving on. And, and, uh, you've got a plan, right? You've got a, you got a plan for, for a big event that's going to happen, right? I do. Tell me about that. So I have a crazy plan and I, I'm one of these guys that when I decide to do something, I do. Um, you know, so having, having gone through this thing with my mom for the last five years and having been through combat and being kind of been through a couple of crucibles in combat, I really have this really amazing appreciation for life and about what life's about and what, what being rich in life is about. And, um, I feel like, you know, I've been lucky that in my service, I've had the ability to really connect to a lot of people. And 
as I move on in my life after the army, obviously it's going to be a hard transition for me, but you know, I want to live. Um, I'm not worried about money. I don't want to focus on wealth. I want to focus on connections and relationships and, uh, and doing some cool things in my life. So I'm going to recreate the journey that my mom did, uh, you know, when she was, you know, this very young woman and I'm going to walk from Washington, DC, where she started all the way to San Diego, California. Um, I'll start in the, in the, in the, in the spring of 2022. So I'll, I'll retire in the summer of 21. I'm going to give myself uh, spring as my start point, And I'm going to walk to Swami's beach, California for however long it takes. And I'm hoping as many of friends, comrades, family, anybody that's interested that wants to walk, um, will come and join me along the way. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll have some adventures because life's for living, you know, and I want to live my life. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, anybody here that wants to join me, uh, and shit, I might be by myself. You will know. not be by yourself. I will 100%. <laughs> you will 100% at least have one person for part of the journey. I will 100% be there. There's no but, doubt. Uh, yeah. So I don't know how long it's going to take me. Uh, I've looked at a couple different routes. You know, I've, I've kind of hemmed and hawed about which way I want to go. I think I'm going to go sort of a southern route, um, sort of through Virginia, across Tennessee, Arkansas, Oklahoma. Uh, down into Texas, across the northern tier of uh, Arizona, New Mexico, New Mexico, Arizona, through the Mojave, and then into California. And uh, maybe along the way, deviate here and there, because I'm not trying to set any kind of record. I'm not I'm not that fit, you know. I'm, I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to endure. I'm just going to suffer every day and walk 20 miles a day or whatever it is. Hopefully you end up at a bar every night. Have a few drinks. <laughs> we got to set it you up. Know? We got to put, put, put the whole agenda, put the whole, uh, whole yeah. itinerary out there, you know? Right. And, and, you know, meet people, you know, and I, what I've found along the way in my experiences in the world is that, you know, people and Americans are really good people and uh, I like people. I enjoy talking to people and I'm hoping to meet a lot of interesting people and you know, it'll, it'll, I'll have good days and bad days, but every, every day I'll wake up and I'm like, okay, how do I get through 20 miles today? And that's definitely going to be my goal. You know, there's a foundation called carry the load. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they do this. Uh, they walk two American flags. One starts in, one starts in Seattle at uh, Fort Lewis McCord. The other one starts at West Point. And they converge these two flags uh, 30 days prior to Memorial Day. They're going 24-7 they're with, with road marching all the way to Dallas. And Dallas is where they do this event. So there's, 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 a, there's an east-to-west and a west-to-east uh, tour. But maybe there's a way you can do some of that with them. So Maybe. Uh, I mean, It goes to D.C. I know that. So I've never been good about, you know, linking up with convention. You know, I've always mm-hmm. kind of been my own person, but it's funny as I, as I sit here in my living room, I've got an American flag up over my mantle that I've carried with me on every field problem and every deployment I've ever been on. It's been, you know, all around the world 
and I, I'm going to have that flag with me. I've got my 10th mountain climb to glory flag I'll bring with me. And, uh, you look, I'm going to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I kind of, when I look at our class, I look at our generation, frankly, you know, we're different, you know, we're, we're different from other generations. We're kind of the quiet generation, the quiet, competent generation that came in between, you know, the, the baby boomers and, and, and the millennials. And, uh, you know, through my just example, I'm going to do my own bit. I'm just going to walk and suffer and soak in the heat and the cold and the rain and everything else that, that God throws on me and, uh, walk across my country, the country I've served my whole life, you know? I can't and, wait. I can't wait to do it with you. I can't wait to be there for, for part of that journey. <laughs> yeah. I hope I can't wait for you to be there with me, Ranger Schleck. Yeah. Uh, we've been through a couple of things, you know, from sitting next to each other in our day to, painting those damn uh, wings on the aerosol, aerosol dog to <laughs> ranger school. So yeah, I am so yep. grateful. I'm so grateful for you, for our friendship, for your example, for your contributions to our country. It's uh, you make me so proud to be, uh, to be a West pointer, to be your classmate. Um, so thank you for that. Are any, any parting thoughts here for our classmates before we hang up? Uh, you know, I, I think I, I've said a few things about us, you know, um, I got to say, I, I've had a great life in the army and, you know, West Point for me was a way to go out and be an officer in our army. We have a great army and being an officer, God, you can't imagine a greater honor than it is to lead soldiers, especially lead soldiers in combat, to lead them through death and lead them through fire. And, uh, I got to do that and, and I've lived a great life. I've lived a a life of adventure and misadventure and failure and triumph. Um, and all the things that I learned at West Point that I've learned in the army have prepared me for the outrageous slings of outrageous fortune that, that I've had to deal with in my life. And uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this opportunity just to be a part of this conversation tonight with so many amazing people that I, that I went to school with who have done so many amazing things in the world. I'm constantly in awe of you. I am so humbled to have this chance to sort of talk to you tonight and uh, be a part of this. So anyway duty shall be done. That was our motto. And I feel like we've lived up to that. And I'm very proud of that. And, uh, look, life's for living. I'm going to go out and live my life as best I can from here on out. I hope to see some of you along the, along the way with me as I make my walk. And, uh, I'm very proud of our class and, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. And we're proud of you. We're proud of you. And so, uh, Thanks again. Thanks everybody who joined us. I'm sorry for the technical difficulties. I am going to get my shit together here. Um, and uh, happy Veterans Day to class of 91 and uh, duty shall be done. Duty shall be done. What a great class. Be 
shall be done old grad podcast please check back on this facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the duty shall be done old grad podcast